Second Part, Chapter Five of Essay on the Creative Imagination. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Essay on the Creative Imagination by Theodule Ribot. Second Part, The Development of the Imagination, Chapter Five, Law of the Development of the Imagination. Is imagination so often called a capricious faculty subject to some law? The question thus asked is too simple, and we must make it more precise. As the direct cause of invention, great or small, the imagination acts without assignable determination. In this sense, it is what is known as spontaneity, a vague term, which we have attempted to make clear. Its appearance is irreducible to any law. It results from the often fortuitous convergence of various factors previously studied. Leaving aside the moment of origin, does the inventive power, considered in its individual and specific development, seem to follow any law, or, if this term appear too ambitious, does it present, in the course of its evolution, any perceptible regularity? Observation separates out an empirical law, that is, extracts directly an abridged formula that is only a condensation of facts. We may enunciate it thus. The creative imagination in its complete development passes through two periods separated by a critical phase, a period of autonomy or efflorescence, a critical moment, a period of definitive constitution presenting several aspects. This formula, being only a summary of experience, should be justified and explained by the latter. For this purpose, we can borrow facts from two distinct sources. A. Individual development, which is the safest, clearest, and easiest to observe. B. The development of the species, or historical development, according to the accepted principle that phylogenesis and ontogenesis follow the same general line. 1. First period. We are already acquainted with it. It is the imaginative age. In normal man it begins at about the age of three, and embraces infancy, adolescence, youth, sometimes a longer, sometimes a shorter period. Play, romantic invention, mythic and fantastic conceptions of the world sum it up first. After that, in most, imagination is dependent on the influence of the passions, and especially sexual love. For a long time it remains without any rational element. Nevertheless, little by little, the latter wins a place. Reflection, including under the term the working of the intelligence, begins very late, grows slowly, and the proportion as it asserts itself gains an influence over the imaginative activity and tends to reduce it. This growing antagonism is represented in the following figure. The curve I-M is that of the imagination during this first period. It rises at first very slowly, then attains a rapid ascent, and keeps at a height that marks its greatest attainment in this earliest form. The dotted line R-X represents the rational development that begins later, advances much more slowly, but progressively, and reaches at X the level of the imaginative curve. The two intellectual forms are present like two rivals. The position MX on the ordinate marks the beginning of the second period. Second period. This is a critical period of indeterminate length, in any case, always much briefer than the other two. This critical moment can be characterized only by its causes and results. Its causes are, in the physiological sphere, the formation of an organism and a fully developed brain. In the psychological order, the antagonism between the pure subjectivity of the imagination and the objectivity of the ratiocinative processes. 
in other words, between mental instability and stability. As for the results, they appear only in the third period, the resultant of this obscure metamorphic stage. Third period. It is definite. In some way or another, and in some degree, the imagination has become rationalized. But this change is not reducible to a single formula. 1. The creative imagination falls, as is indicated in the figure, where the imagination curve MN prime descends rapidly toward the line of abscissas without ever reaching it. This is the most general case. Only truly imaginative minds are exceptions. One falls little by little into the prose of practical life. Such is the downfall of love, which is treated as a phantom, the burial of the dreams of youth, etc. This is a regression, not an end. For the creative imagination disappears completely in no man. It only becomes accessory. 2. It keeps up, but becomes transformed. It adapts itself to the conditions of rational thought. It is no longer pure imagination, but becomes a mixed form. The fact is indicated in the diagram by the union of the two lines, MN, the imagination, and XO, the rational. This is the case with truly imaginative beings, in whom inventive power long remains young and fresh. This period of preservation, of definitive constitution with rational transformation, presents several varieties. First and simplest, transformation into logical form. The creative power manifested in the first stage remains true to itself, and always follows the same trend. Such are the precocious inventors, those whose vocation appeared early and never changed direction. Invention loses its childish or juvenile character in becoming virile. There are no other changes. Compare Schiller's Robbers, written in his teens, with his Wallenstein, dating from his fortieth year, or the vague sketches of adolescent James Watt with his inventions as a man. Another case is the metamorphosis or deviation of creative power. We know what numbers of men who have left a great name in science, politics, mechanical or industrial invention, started out with mediocre efforts in music, painting, and especially poetry, the drama, and fiction. The imaginative impulse did not discover its true direction at the outset. It imitated while trying to invent. What has been said above concerning the chronological development of the imagination would be tiresome repetition. The need of creating followed from the first the line of least resistance, where it found certain materials ready to hand. But in order to arrive to full consciousness of itself, it needed more time, more knowledge, more accumulated experience. We might here ask whether the contrary case is also met with, that is, where the imagination in this third period would return to the inclinations of the first period. This regressive metamorphosis, for I cannot style it otherwise, is rare, but not without examples. Ordinarily, the creative imagination, when it has passed its adult stage, becomes attenuated by slow atrophy without undergoing serious change of form. Nevertheless, I am able to cite the case of a well-known scholar who began with a taste for art, especially plastic art, went over rapidly to literature, devoted his life to biologic studies, in which he gained a very deserved reputation, then, in turn, became totally disgusted with scientific research, came back to literature and finally to the arts, which have entirely monopolized him. Finally, for there are very many forms, in some the imagination, though strong, scarcely passes beyond the first stage, always retains its youthful, almost childish form, hardly modified by a minimum of rationality. 
let us note that it is not a question here of the characteristic ingeniousness of some inventors which has caused them to be labelled grown-up children but of the candour and inherent simplicity of the imagination itself this exceptional form is hardly reconcilable except with aesthetic creation let us add the mystic imagination it could furnish examples less in its religious conceptions which are without control than in its reveries of a scientific turn contemporary mystics have invented adaptions of the world that take us back to the mythology of early times this prolonged childhood of the imagination which is in a word an anomaly produces curiosities rather than lasting works at this third period in the development of the imagination appears a second subsidiary law that of increasing complexity it follows a progressive line from the simple to the complex indeed it is not strictly speaking a law of the imagination but of the rational development exerting an influence on it by a counteraction it is a law of the mind that knows not of one that imagines it is needless to show that theoretical and practical intelligence develops as an increasing complex but from the time that the mind distinguishes clearly between the possible and the impossible between the fancied and the real which is a capacity wanting in primitive man as soon as man has formed rational habits and has undergone experience the impress of which is ineffaceable the creative imagination is subject nolens volens to new conditions it is no longer absolute mistress of itself it has lost the assurance of its infancy and is under the rules of logical thought which draws it along in its train aside from the exceptions given above and even they are partial exceptions only creative power depends on the ability to understand which imposes upon it its form and developmental law in literature and in the arts comparison between the simplicity of primitive creations and the complexity of advanced civilizations has become commonplace in the practical technical scientific and social worlds the higher up we go the more we have to know in order to create and in default of this condition we merely repeat when we think we are inventing two historically considered in the species the development of the imagination follows the same line of progress as in the individual we will not repeat it it would be a mere reiteration in a vaguer form of what we have just said a few brief notes will suffice vico whose name deserves to be mentioned here because he was the first to see the good that we can get from myths for the study of the imagination divided the course of humanity into three successive ages divine or theocratic heroic or fabulous human or historic after which the cycle begins over again although this too hypothetic conception is now forgotten it is sufficient for our purposes what indeed are those first two stages that have everywhere and always been the harbingers and preparers of civilization if not the triumphant period of the imagination it has produced myths religions legends epics and martial narratives and imposing monuments erected in honor of gods and heroes many nations whose evolution has been incomplete have not gone beyond this stage let us now consider this question under a more definite more limited better known form the history of intellectual development in europe since the fall of the roman empire it shows very distinctly our three periods no one will question the preponderance of the imagination during the middle ages intensity of religious feeling ceaselessly repeated epidemics of superstition the institution of chivalry with all its accessories heroic poetry chivalric romances courts of love 
efflorescence of Gothic art, the beginning of modern music, etc. On the other hand, the quantity of imagination applied during this epoch to practical, industrial, commercial invention is very small. Their scientific culture, buried in Latin jargon, is made up partly of antique traditions, partly of fancies. What the ten centuries added to positive science is almost nil. Our figure, with its two curves, one imaginative, the other rational, thus applies just as well to historical development as to individual development during the first period. No more will anyone question that the Renaissance is a critical moment, a transition period, and a transformation analogous to that which we have noted in the individual, when there rises, opposed to imagination, a rival power. Finally, it will be admitted without dissent that during the modern period, social imagination has become partly decayed, partly rationalized, under the influence of two principal factors, one scientific, the other economic. On the one hand, the development of science, on the other hand, the great maritime discoveries, by stimulating industrial and commercial inventions, have given the imagination a new field of activity. There have arisen points of attraction that have drawn it into other paths, have imposed upon it other forms of creation that have often been neglected or misunderstood, and that we shall study in the third part. End of second part, chapter five.